I will be standing there by, by the door. I'll be glad to give you one of these as a gift from the church for you to read on your own time. Uh, so you can uh, enjoy that and read one of those gospel tracts that they were talking about. Look at Galatians chapter number 5. And I'm going to ask you to stand with me for a moment. Galatians chapter 5, you may remember a few weeks ago we talked about, or we looked at the passage in Ezra. And you have to forgive me, I'm losing my voice a little bit. I know you're thinking, how could you ever do that? You're so quiet, you never talk. Uh, but uh, we, we read in Ezra how uh, they stood when the word of God was opened. And uh, so tonight when you stand, you're not standing for the preacher, you're standing to honor God's word. And, and this book, let me be clear with you, is not like any other book. I've had people say, well, isn't, you know, your book's written by men and other books written by men. I'm like, yeah, if you want to take a book written by men on three continents over the space of thousands of years time uh, uh, in a number of different languages where it all cohesively as one unit goes together from cover to cover, prophecy in the book of Genesis talking about the birth of Jesus Christ 4,000 years before he shows up. If you want to take those odds and you find a book like that, let me know. In the meantime, I'll stick with this one, all right? Uh, Galatians chapter 5, look if you would at verse number 22. But, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. We talked about how it's pure love, it's holy love, it's love that reflects who God is. Joy, if you're happy, let your face know it, amen? amen. Joy, and then that third manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit here is peace. And tonight, what I want to talk to you about, I've got some thoughts about peace, and ultimately I want to talk to you about how you can have peace in your storm, how you can have peace in your storm. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and I'm going to ask uh, Brother James if you would open us up in a word of prayer, sir. Amen. Be seated if you would. I don't know, I can't remember exactly what the number is, but I remember looking it up one time and uh, it kind of blew my mind. In about 2,000 years, the last 2,000 years or so, uh, I think when the, the, the historical scholars looked at all the wars that took place and all the battles that took place and all the conflict throughout the earth, I, I want to say it was less than 200 years of, of actual peace on the earth. You know, you know what that shows you? That shows you that man will never bring priests on the earth by himself. And man wants that, and we long for it. Politicians talk about it. Uh, nations desire it. As a matter of fact, the Bible says over in the book of Haggai, I won't have you turn there, uh, but, but it says there that the desire of nations shall come. And when it says the desire of nations shall come, that's a reference that later on says that the Lord himself speaking, he says, I will give you peace 
in this place, talking about the temple in Jerusalem. You say, why does that matter? Well, it's prophetically speaking about a period of time that passes, that comes, and that that period of time is called the, the Great Tribulation. It's three and a half years of the worst human interaction with God and with the devil that's ever existed on this planet. We haven't seen anything like it yet. If you think it's bad not having baby formula, and you think it's bad paying five or six bucks a gallon for gas, how about the earth opening up and stuff flying out of there? That's where we go, oh, you believe all that stuff? If it's in the book, I just, I've come to a place where I just go, if God said it, everything else he says has been right so far, I believe it. Amen. And you, you, you think it's been bad. Listen, this whole idea of you can't buy or you can't fly here without having a, a passport that shows that you got a shot, that's nothing. You know what's coming? What's coming after which time we're taking off this earth if you're a believer, all right? What's coming is this. You can't buy or sell without taking the mark of the beast on your body. It'll be inserted there, and if, if you don't scan it here, you know they already got technology where you can just take your hand and go, whoop, and people praise it and go, man, it's awesome, and from a security standpoint, I'm like, yeah, I guess, but I've got the book that tells me where that thing's gonna, how that's going to be used. Now, now, what I'm getting at is this. The world is going to crave so badly to have peace that they'll do anything that they need to do in order to have it, and including following the devil himself. The Bible tells us that there's a man called the man of sin, or, or the, as the Bible says later on, to be discovered as the son of perdition, the Antichrist. And if you've not studied prophecy, I'm not trying to blow you away with all this stuff. I'm simply trying to get you to understand where the world is going right now. And they don't realize it. And if you're lost without Jesus Christ, uh, you, you might take the viewpoint that the world is getting better and better. Technologically speaking, I would agree with you. But when it comes to human character, absolutely stinking not. 50 years ago, I could leave my door open. 50 years ago, I could put the keys in my car, leave it running in Aurora, and not worry about it. Good luck with that right now. We had a van, a stinking church van, parked at a church, and they stole the catalytic converter off the church van in the church parking lot. You say, where are we? That's where we're at today. All right, what I'm trying to get at is this. The world doesn't know where it's headed, but ultimately, what they're going to do is going to surrender all that they have, all that they know to say, we just want peace. We don't care what it costs. And they're going to follow it to their own destruction. You know why? Let me just say, here's why. Because people long for peace. You know what? You know, inside your heart, you desire peace. You know what? No one really, nobody wants conflict in their home. No, no, nobody wants conflict at work. Nobody wants conflict in, in, in theaters of war. I mean, you say, well, there are those that want it, but the masses don't. Inside the human heart, there's a desire for peace. The problem is we don't always want to get there God's way. And I want you to understand that the Bible says that the, the fruit of the Spirit is peace. And, and that peace is not, okay, everything in my life is perfect now. Now I can go, ah. <sighs> Has anybody ever experienced everything in their life being perfect yet? Because I have not. And yet the Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit is peace. In other words, the manifestation that you are a child of God and that you are submitted to the Spirit of God is that God will give you peace from the inside that can work its way out. It is not like the world's peace. It is different. We'll learn about that in the Gospel of John. But Matthew Henry said this, Peace is such a precious jewel that I would give anything for it but the truth. You know how you get peace with God? Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through who? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
If you want peace with God, if, you're, if you've never been born again, the way you have peace with God is through Jesus Christ. You, you don't pass, uh, go, you don't collect $200, right? You don't go anywhere else tonight, and you don't talk about peace in your heart until which time you're saved. Once you're saved, you have a shot at having peace in your life. You see, there's three stages of peace I have up here on the board. Uh, the first one is eternal, and it has to do with you getting saved. Because there'll be this conflict inside of you until that point where you know there's something called guilt. Your conscience tells you something's wrong, something's off. I'm disconnected from God, but I don't know how to bridge that gap. And that's your conscience. Unless you've killed it by repeatedly doing what God says not to do, your conscience is a gift from God. Amen. And you don't want to deaden your conscience. You don't want to sear it with a hot iron, as the Bible says over in Timothy. You want your conscience to be active so that when you're doing wrong, you know there's something wrong. The problem when you're not saved is this. You know you've done wrong, but what do you do to make it right? And the Bible says, guess what? There's nothing you can do to make it right. Some of you are like, well, this doesn't sound very promising. Well, yeah, if, if, if we're talking about human effort, you can't fix that problem because you're a sinner. But I can tell you this, I can point you to a man that never sinned and he fixed the problem for you. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Here's what it says in Romans, you know, turn there. It says, if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. You know what that means? We were God's enemy and yet he still reconciled us so that we could have peace with God. Aren't you glad that you're saved if you're saved tonight? Peace is defined in a general sense, as a state of quiet or tranquility. Let me ask you a question tonight. Are you saved? Aren't you glad you gained that peace of eternal life? But let me ask you this. If you are saved, since you've been saved, I want to ask a very pointed question. Not just do you have peace, are you living in peace? Those are two different things. You need to understand that when it says the fruit of the Spirit, listen, we talked about this before, to be alive in the Spirit means you've been born again. That Spirit that was dead inside of you, God breathed on it and gave you life. The moment you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you were born again. And that Spirit came to life, and now all of a sudden, the things that you couldn't understand out of the Bible, they're starting to make sense. Why is that? Because the author of that book now lives inside of you. And so the very one that inspired those words lives inside and he goes, I'm going to bear witness to everything that you're reading in that book. I'm going to bring it to life. And and so now that you're saved, you have the opportunity to have the Spirit of God working. You are alive in the Spirit. But it says this, if we live in the Spirit, let us also what? Walk in the Spirit. And that walking in the Spirit means that if I'm doing what God is telling me to do, I am submitted to the Spirit of God. I will bring forth peace out of my life. It won't be fake. It won't be cross your legs and try to find inner peace. It it won't be me coming to a state of of nirvana. It won't be me trying to find enlightenment. It'll be me talking to the creator of the universe from within and going, you know what? Regardless of what goes on out there, I've got peace in here. Anybody here have any trouble tonight? Anybody at all? No trouble. Good. I'm glad. Most Okay, James. Our deacon's the only one that's got trouble. Pray for James, all right? If you do not, they hung you out to dry, man. Does anybody else have trouble? Anybody? Okay, good. I'm glad you're honest, all right? Uh, Just say, maybe we should do a message on lying tonight. I don't know. Uh, I think everybody has trouble. The Bible says man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward, all right? In other words, you're going to have trouble your, your entire life. But, but it's not a matter of all the trouble going away, but rather, listen to me, it's a matter of me having peace in the midst of it. That's what makes it supernatural. That's what makes it unique. 
You being saved and having peace when everything is going the way you desire it is no different than a lost man having everything he wants. You understand? Look a little bit earlier in this chapter. Look at Galatians 5 over there in uh, verse number 19. I want to show you that there, there are some contrasts to peace, all right? If, if peace is a manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit in your life, in other words, God wants to bear fruit in your life. If you're saved, He wants to bring things out of your life, and one of those things is peace. It's lasting peace. It's inner peace. It's a peace that passeth, as the Bible says, all understanding. God wants you to bear that, all right? And, and what, what I need you to understand is this, the flesh, if you're saved is fighting that. And the flesh goes, yeah, but I want this. And I want you to see some of the contrast. Look at verse 19. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Now, now think about this. He wants to manifest the fruit of the Spirit in your life, if you're saved. But it says this, the works of the flesh are manifest. In other words, it's easy to see these. Do you not see these things in the world in which you live? Do you also not even see them in your own life at times? All right, look at verse number 19. Uh, the Bible says, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. Verse 20, idolatry. And by the way, idolatry is not just, you know, a graven image and you bow down to it. Idolatry can be something from within your heart that you put in the place of God. Idolatry, watch it, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath. You know what the opposite of peace is? It's wrath. Strife. You see, what is that? Just this constant battle, this constant fight. You know, God doesn't want that in your life. You understand that? Here's the problem with Christians. I'm going to lay it out for you. We real, just 52 cars, face up. I'm going to be honest with you tonight. Here's the problem with believers today. They want to fight over the things that don't matter, and they don't want to fight over the things that do. Amen. That's the problem that we have. And so you will have strife in your home. You will have strife in your heart. You have strife in the workplace. You have strife everywhere you go. And listen, after a certain point, you can't blame everybody else forever. Right. At some point, you got to go, there's a lack of peace inside of me. That's right. And why is that? And I want you to notice that wrath and strife and, and seditions and emulations, these are the things, and hatred, these are the things that contrast the fruit of the Spirit, which is peace in your life. And God desires for you to have that. How about this? Fear. Anxiety. I want to be very careful with what I'm about to say. Today, if you go to a doctor and say, I have anxiety, oftentimes they're going to give you a pill. And it may, listen to me very carefully. Don't walk out of here and say, Pastor told me not to take a pill. I'm not your doctor, but here's what I will say. That pill doesn't deal with the issue. It may help in the moment. I'm not going to take that away. But why do you have a lack of peace? What's causing that? It's not just the lack of the pill. You understand that. There's something deeper there. And you need to get to that root tonight and go, why do I lack peace? And why am I looking for it in all these other places? Because I'm just not, I'm not finding it. Anxiety, stress. Who today is not stressed? How you doing? Anytime you talk to someone, I'd, oh, just been busy, just kind of stressed out. No one's ever like, oh, I'm bored, doing nothing. <laughs> Perfect peace, nothing going on. You know, everyone's like, oh, like this, you know. And sure, maybe the 27th cup of coffee wasn't a good idea. I get it. 
but you're stressed and you're worried and you're anxious and you're, you're fearful about the future and you're fearful about the past catching up with you and you're worried about what might come. And what I'm getting at tonight is that's not where God wants his children to be. He wants you to have peace as a child of God. Anger, wrath. Listen, let me tell you something right now. And I, I, I'm not trying to teach a lesson on children. That, that's not where we're going tonight. But can I illustrate it like this? All right, we, 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 are, we are all sinners and we have little miniature sinners regardless of how cute they are. Okay? And you know what happens when a miniature sinner uh, does it? There's something that they don't like or something that's going on in their life that they don't want to accept. Sometimes they get angry. And when they're a baby, it's, ah, you know. And when they're two, it's a, you know, they're just going through the terrible twos. You know what? I know some people in their terrible 30s because they never figured it out when they were two. That's your job, parents. Help them through that period of time. And don't make the excuse, oh, they're just two. Oh, they're just a boy. Oh, they're just, I loved it for years. You don't know what it's like, Pastor, to have boys. Thank you. Thank you. Like, you do not write that? I absolutely do. I'm reminded every day of all the crazy stuff I did when I was a boy. And then you ask them, what were you thinking? They're like, <laughs> then you're like, ah, oh, that's right. We're men. We don't think. I mean, we just do, <laughs> right? But, but here's the point. The point is this. You, you have this anger inside. Something doesn't go the way you expect it to. I was driving yesterday, and I, I switched lanes. This guy in the middle lane on, on 225 going south, this guy's probably going like 90. I kid you not. I didn't know how fast he was going. I start going like this, and, and he comes right behind me. He goes, and I'm just looking at the rearview mirror and going, are you going to be okay, buddy? Should I call someone for you? At that point, what are you going to do? You flipping out doesn't change the fact that the idiot in front of you got in front of your lane. Are you understanding what I'm saying? But you live in this constant state of agitation. It's not healthy. It's not right. It's not biblical. It's not Christian. And then you're like, can I tell you about Jesus Christ? Bleepity, bleep, bleep, bleep. Now get out of the way, man. Can I tell you about Jesus Christ? He's the greatest thing that ever happened to me. You understand what I'm saying? They, they need to see peace in your life. The Bible says that my God is the God of peace. Now, now when Paul writes the Romans, you know who the Romans were? They were heathen. And they had a God of vengeance and a God of thunder and they had a God of this and a God of that. And, and listen, if, if you're all into the Marvel movies, God bless you. I checked out when Captain America died. I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm done. I'm out of here, man. And, and you know, they're going to make another Thor movie. And now it's the, the, the female Thor and whatever else. And there's a, the Thor, all these ancient gods, right? The Romans had a God for everything. And when Paul writes the Romans, you know what he says? Now the God of peace be with you all. You know who your God is? He's the God of peace. Amen. Look at John chapter 14. John chapter 14. We're going verse by verse in Sunday school in the Gospel of John with the adults. And the kids are temporarily along the ride with us. You may learn this later on, so I'll just kind of give you a sneak peek. Chapter 13, 
through chapter 17 of the Gospel of John is one event. And it's one conversation that Jesus has in two directions. He has it this way with his disciples, and he has it this way with the Father. And, and in, that, in, in all of that, the, 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 the writings from chapter 13 to chapter 17, there's much mention about the Holy Spirit. And I want you to see one of those places, John 14. Look, if you were talking about you having uh, the results of a Spirit-led life. How do I know as a believer that I'm led by the Spirit of God? Here's one way, that you have peace in the middle of your storm. All right? Look at John 14. Look, if you would, at verse number 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, this is Jesus talking, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you. Watch it. My peace. You see, it's not yours, it's his. My peace I give unto you, watch it, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be what? You know why he says, I give you a different kind of peace? Because the world gives you peace and then they take it away. The world gives you peace based off of faulty conditions, and the world will give you peace and say this, once you achieve all this, then you can be in a place where you can go, ah. And the Lord is saying, listen, in spite of everything going on in your life, I'm going to give you peace that supersedes, that supernaturally transcends beyond all the circumstances of your life. Look if you would at Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. It's midweek Bible what? There you go, Philippians chapter 4. I don't say this to sound uh, proud or anything like that, but I want you to know, if you're visiting, you are in a Bible-believing church. And that isn't like our, you know, we're, we're, we're the best of the best. That's not what we're saying. What we're simply saying is we believe this book. And because we believe this book, we realize that the best way to know who God is and what God wants for our lives is to get into this book and for this book to get into us. Uh, so look at Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And, and I want to show you why the world can't have the peace that you have as a Christian. Look at Philippians chapter 4 and look at verse number 7. And the peace of God, which passeth all what? It almost doesn't make sense. How can you stay calm with everything going on in your life? I don't want to pick on her. But why doesn't that woman that just spoke a little bit ago Say, God, if that's what you're going to do in my life, I'm done. Why doesn't she say, I'm done with this whole thing. I gave my whole life to God. I'm through. You know what there is? There's some peace there that you can't manufacture out in the world. And it passes all understanding. And I want you to notice what he says here. Shall keep your hearts and what? People are losing their ever-loving minds out there. You know that? You know what's going to keep your hearts and minds? The peace of God. Now, notice what he says in verse 8. You want to you have that? You are going to have to understand this. Peace with God is based off of conditions. You know what you don't like? Conditions. I want no strings attached. There's all, listen, listen to me. You want peace with God? You've got to come through Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by him. Well, that's not very inclusive. No, it's very inclusive. He said, whosoever will, let him come. 
He says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, he shall be saved. It, it's very inclusive. Guess what? We're all sinners. We all qualify. Amen. Regardless of race or background or former religion or anything else, it's a very inclusive message. You just don't like it because you can't make the gospel up yourself. The problem today is the world wants to be their own God and say, I'm going to determine the conditions by which I'm right in the sight of God. Here's the problem. You're not God. Amen. So you don't call the shots. You know what's funny about that? I'll talk to grown adults who will look at their kids and go, this is my house and I pay the bills and you're going to do it because I said it. And then you point what God says in the Bible like, well, who's God to tell me what to do? Kind of made the rules. You want peace with God eternally, you come through Jesus Christ. That's a condition. All right, you want peace with God on a daily basis, you have to submit to the Spirit of God. That's a condition. You want peace of God in your mind? You need to say, God, clean me up because this is dirty. That's a condition. You understand what I'm saying? Let me show you Philippians 4, verse 8. You know what it's going to get to? If you want the peace of God, look at verses 8 and verse 9. There are some things you're going to have to change internally. Verse 8, finally, brethren, what sort of things are true? If you're thinking about something that is not true, stop it. What, what great ingredient are you going to give me? It's simple. What God says not to do, don't do that thing. All right? Finally, brethren, what sort of things are true? What sort of things are honest? I don't know, but somebody told me, well, if you don't know, shut your mouth. Are you with me? All right? Uh, that's how a lot of gossip gets started. What sort of things are just? What sort of things are pure? Are you thinking about pure things? You got images all over the place, and they ain't pure. What sort of things are lovely? Whatsoever things are of good report. I know some of you are like, well, I don't listen to that liberal CNN. I'm more one of those fair and balanced people. I listen to Fox. It doesn't matter. Most of that stuff isn't good report. I'm not saying to be an ostrich and stick your head in the ground, but you weren't made to take 24-7 news. And some of you are like, well, I don't watch the news. I know you scroll through Facebook to get your news. I get it. You, you do it a different way, but it's still the same problem, which is you're constantly taking stuff in and putting it in your mind, and it's not good. It's not a good report. If there be any virtue and if there be any praise, look at the last part there, think on these things. You know what that's saying? Hey, look, here is your recipe. Here's your roadmap to having peace of mind. How do I know this? Look at verse number nine. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to do them. And then look what it says, and the God of peace shall be with you. That sounds to me like a condition. You know what we're talking about? Not just salvation, but abiding in him. That's fellowship. You know what he says? I'm the vine and you're the branches. Except a man abide in me, he cannot bear fruit. You know why some people that are genuinely born again, they're genuinely saved, but there's still this lack of peace in their life on a daily basis. You know why that is? Because they're not submitted to the Spirit of God. They're not making sure God is cleaning up their mind. Things that go in there, they go unchecked. Look, you need to have a security guard that watches the portals of your mind to say, nope, that does not belong in here. Amen. Nope, I'm not going to think about that. Nope, I'm not going to keep responding that way. I've responded that way for 40 years. And it's never brought me any peace. Why would I keep doing that? Are you with me? You can rest in knowing 
where you're headed, Christian. And you can have peace knowing that you, who you are in Christ. You know what the Bible says? Beloved, uh, we know not what we shall be, but we know that when we shall see him, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. I can have peace, listen to me, knowing not exactly what, I understand certain things about having a glorified body in heaven and all that kind of stuff. There's certain things I do understand about, but I can't wrap my mind around all that. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like and what it's going to feel like, but here's what I do know. It's going to happen because God said it. And because of that, I can go, you know what? Because of where I'm headed, I can have peace where I'm at right now. Not because of what's going on in my sphere at this moment. Not because of that unexpected bill. Not because of that problem at work. Not because of the strife in my home. Not because of those things, but rather because of who I am in Christ and where I'm going. I'm on the winning side. In the end, I have eternal peace. God wants me to live in that right now. You know what that is? I'm just going to be honest with you. It's a choice. You choose whether or not you think about the right things. You choose whether or not you walk in fellowship with Jesus Christ. You choose to submit to the Spirit of God or not. You choose peace or you choose strife. That's up to you. Over there, I don't have you turn there, but over in the book of Ezekiel, it's an interesting story. God is kind of dealing with his nation, the children of Israel. He's telling them, look, if you're going to build this thing, do it the right way. Talking about the walls of the temple. And he says, don't, don't daub it. In other words, don't don't." Don't put the, the in, our, in our world, it would be drywall. Don't uh, mud it, in so many words, with untempered mortar. In other words, you're, you're trying to build a wall with something that's not going to last over time. And he, he likens that to why they don't have peace as a nation. You know why a lot of Christians don't have peace? They're using cheap substitutes. Let me tell you right now. There is a difference, listen to me, between like the Safeway brand cola and Coca-Cola. Are you with me? All right, there's a difference between Haribo gummy bears and everything else. All right, there's a difference between those things. Listen, I grew up in a family of six kids, and I remember going to the military base, the, the PX, and uh, I think it's a BX for the Air Force guys. It was a PX for us, the post exchange. I remember going there, and I wanted these Air Jordans so bad. If you got Air Jordans, I hate you. Because when I was a kid, I couldn't have them. My dad was like, oh, these look just the same. I'm like, they don't look anything like those. <laughs> we called them, the, I think they're called chicken wing shoes or something like that because they tried to make it look like a Nike swoosh and it was like some kind of weird looking uh, chicken wing thing. And I'm like, dad, that's nothing like, it's nothing like what that looks like, but that's what I had to put on my feet. And everywhere I go, I'm like, you say, why? Because I knew they weren't the real thing. Can I say this? You as a Christian trying to buy the chicken wing when you, when you really want the Air Jordans, you know what the real issue is? You're trying to patch things in your life and the walls aren't going to hold because you're using cheap substitutes to get peace in your life and it will not last. Now look at one other place and I'm going to have you go to Mark after this. 2 Corinthians chapter number 13. I read this in my Bible reading. I thought it might be a blessing to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. This is Paul saying his goodbyes to the church of Corinth. And I want you to notice in verse 11, he says, Finally, brethren. And uh, there's a number of times that Paul says, Finally, brethren, then he keeps talking for a bunch more verses. That, that's how you know he was a Baptist preacher. 
Because like we're almost done, like two chapters later. I'm like, well, didn't he say finally like two chapters ago? He says, finally, brethren, farewell. I'm, I'm, goodbye. Be perfect. That means be mature, be complete in Christ. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. What are the next three words? He didn't say to visit with peace every once in a while. He didn't say to maybe dabble with it, experience it from time. He said live in it. I'm going to be honest with you. Some of you are living in some stuff, and it ain't peace. But God wants you to. Look at Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. And let me just be straight with you. If you're lost without Jesus Christ, you will try all kinds of things to gain happiness in life and to gain peace in life, and you won't find it. You ever watched uh, the Greyhound races? I, I think they're prime, in most states they're becoming outlawed. Um, surprised you can even have pets anymore. Soon that'll be outlawed to give you a robot dog or something, you know, less cruel or whatever. But these greyhounds, you know what they would do? They'd put a little bunny up here, and they'd open the gates, and that greyhound would dash, and it would chase that bunny. And then when it gets to the end, the bunny stops, and guess what? The greyhound stops exactly where he started. And you know what happens at the next race? The same thing. You know how some of you are living your life? Like that. And you're getting up, and you're going, and you're going, and you're going, and you're like, okay, almost got the bunny this time. Next time I get the bunny. No one gets the bunny. Right. <laughs> I probably spent $30 the other day trying to get one of those stupid machines with the claw because I wanted to be the hero for my kid. You know it's rigged. That claw goes down and goes, give me, uh, for five bucks, I'll put my hand in there. You pay me, I'll put my hand in there. I'll get everything I want out of it. You understand? And, and, and it's, it's almost like the game is rigged. Can I say this? L- listen to me very carefully. Life is rigged without Jesus Christ. And you chase it, and you chase it, and you chase it. People say, well, when you, when you achieve this, let me tell you this, guys. I, in business, I know a lot of CEOs. They make a lot of money. Some of them are millionaires, and they're miserable. And they've got no peace. And some of you wish you had what they had. Not without Jesus Christ, you don't. Look at Mark chapter 4. Mark 4, here is, I'm going to run through some verses here pretty quickly and send you home before 11 o'clock tonight. I'm kidding. Mark chapter 4, look if you would at verse uh, 35. We're going to read about a, a group of men that got in a boat and they were following the Lord. Not a trick question. Who here wants to follow the Lord? I'm, I'll throw myself in. Okay, all right. Let me just say this. Just because you're trying to follow God doesn't mean there's not going to be storms in your life. Look at Mark 4, verse 35. In the same day, when the even was come at evening, he saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. So let's stop. This is Jesus talking. So whose idea is it to go the other side? Jesus's, right? Not a trick question. It's Jesus's idea. And you know what the disciples do? They follow him. Look what it says in verse number 36. When they had to send away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. 
And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. I want you to notice in verse number 35 uh, 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 that, that, that Jesus tells them to go to the other side. And in verse 37, there's a great storm of wind. Uh, look at verse 38. He was, Jesus was in the hinder part, that means the lower part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. What a guy. I mean, Jesus Christ is asleep on a pillow while people are drowning. At least that's what they expect is going to happen. They're like, we're going to die. We're all going to die. And the, the waves are coming inside of the ship. Anybody ever had that go on in your life emotionally, spiritually, mentally? Yeah. I can't take one more wave. One more wave, I go, I go down. I can't get back up. The disciples are there. You know what they say to him? Carest thou not that we perish? Don't you care? Ever felt like that? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, what are the next three words? And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, why are ye so fearful? Can I ask you a question tonight? Why are you so afraid? Now, if you're lost without Jesus Christ, can I give you a little piece of advice? You ought to be afraid about the afterlife. You should, and it should move you to do something about it. But he says, why are you so, he's talking to his disciples, though. These are the ones that are following him. That should be some, most of you tonight. How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Can I just say this real quickly? Peace means leaving where you're at. If you're in a place where you go, okay, I'm good, I'm content, and God goes, I want you to go to the other side, you know what you're never going to experience? You're never going to experience the peace of God like you could if you don't learn to move from where you're at. If you're doing the same thing over and over and over and over and expecting a different outcome, we call that what? Insanity. And yet, you know what believers do who should know better? We do this. A problem comes. Oh, God, what am I going to do? A week later, it's better. Like, I knew God would take care of it. (laughs) You know, your problem is you do the same thing every single time. And you don't have peace. And you have heartburn. And you lose sleep at night. And you're stressed. And your mind. And all these things are happening. And you know what God's saying? Hey, I want to get you beyond where you're at. I, I want to get you to the other side. Now, you may not know why God wants you to get you there. I'm going to explain that in a moment. But you need to learn to get to the other side. Peace means leaving where you're at. Can I say this secondly? Peace means getting away from the crowd. Look, if you would, at verse number 36. You know what you have to do sometimes if you want peace? Get away from all the noise. You know, one time there's a guy named Zacchaeus. I like Zacchaeus because he's like me. He's a wee little man. And Zacch- oh, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. Remember that? He climbed in a sycamore tree, right? You know what the Bible says? He wanted to get to Jesus, but he could not for the press. In other words, there's all these people in the way. Can I say there is a time for you to get alone and go, I need to just shut out the noise. Can I encourage you young people? Because I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean about this. When I was your age, I didn't have uh, a phone and, and I had to, I'm not, I'm not trying to be funny when I say this, I had to be alone with my thoughts. And a lot of you aren't. I'm not saying that to pick on you. You, you. You're in a generation where literally once you walk in an elevator and you see a stranger, it's like, well, I don't make eye contact. It's weird. They're going to look at me and I'm going to have to look at them. And it's just awkward now. And I, I just, I, and, and anytime when you have downtime, you just pull it out and you start scrolling. I'm not picking on you. We're all in the same boat. What I'm telling you is this, that's part of the reason why you never actually get alone. Right. You might be sitting by yourself and you're still crowded. Right. 
There was a time when Jesus said, you know what? I'm going to take my disciples to the other side. I've got to send this mass of people away so that my disciples can learn a lesson. There's lessons you need to learn. And you don't always learn them in the crowd. Can I say this as well? In regards to that crowd, you know what happens when Israel leaves Egypt? They leave with a mixed multitude and it causes them a lot of hardship. Can I say this as well? Peace requires the word of God being spoken. You know what Jesus does? He gets up. Look, if you would, at verse number uh, 39 again. They wake him up. I mean, how about a way to wake up the Lord, the creator of the universe, the one that said, let there be light? Hey, don't you know there's a storm going on right now? Don't you care about us? And the Lord's like, I mean, can you you imagine someone waking you up? Anybody ever woken you up when you're just like in a deep sleep? And, And imagine someone waking you up kind of violently like, hey, get up! And he looks at them and he goes, That was a good nap. Thanks, gentlemen. I get it, though. You're afraid. And the question is, if I'm, I'm the one that caused all this to happen to begin with and I'm in the boat with you, why are you so scared? When Jesus gets up, the same one that said, let there be light, said, peace be still. Listen to me. That's powerful. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You know what that tells me? When you are in a storm, rather than quoting Dr. Snuffenbrush, rather than quoting what some jack wagon wrote on Facebook that you don't know who that is, it could be a teenager living in his mom's basement and you think it's some great nugget of wisdom and you quote, you go, this is my thing. You get away from all that and go, what does God say right now? And that's what I need to speak in my life. What are you speaking when you're in trouble? Are they the words of God? Are they your thoughts? Are they your family's thoughts? Do you ever stop and go, I'm in this storm. I've got this problem. And you know what? Sometimes we're in the storm because we caused it. But sometimes we're in the storm just because we're following the Lord. Listen, there's a difference between being Jonah. That was on Jonah. But these disciples were just following the Lord. But the Lord's going, I want them to learn this lesson. I want them to see me asleep on my pillow. When the, the waves are going like this. Man, my family's from Puerto Rico, but I have no desire to live near the water. If you do, God bless you. I'm glad for you. I like to visit it, but I like solid ground. Getting on a boat in the middle of the lake with violent waves does not appeal to me at all. That's where these, that's where these disciples are at. And you know what they need to see? They need to see the Lord asleep on his pillow. And they need to see when Jesus did get up, he spoke the words of God. What are you speaking when you're in your storm? The Bible says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. You know why everyone's so thin-skinned today? Because they don't believe this, and they don't love it. You know, when you believe the Bible, and someone comes up to me and goes, I hate your God, I don't believe in him. Uh, okay. All right. Well, blanky, blank you, and blank, blank, uh, okay. All right. Have a nice day. You know why? I don't, it doesn't matter what you say. I got this. Let me give you this, and we're just about done. Peace means letting go of what you can't control. Listen to me real quickly. Some of you are control freaks. Trying to help you, not be mean to you. But you like to have control. And you may not be the best driver, but the moment someone else is driving, like, uh, (laughs) 
Stop following them so closely. What are you doing? Turn your blinker on. That fast, that turn was way too fast. What's wrong with you? Why don't you take the other lane? Why are you in this lane? Don't you see no one's moving in this lane? And just like, stop it, calm down. And you do that spiritually with the Lord as well. There's a storm in your life. You go, I got to do this. I got to fix this. I got to move this over. And the Lord's like, hey, you didn't cause this. You're not going to fix this. You don't know about the Pharisees. They were control freaks. And they didn't get along with the Lord very well. And you know what? If you are a control freak, you are going to have a lack of peace in your storm because you feel you're the one that has to fix everything and everybody around you. We've come to a place in society where just because you believe differently than me, that automatically means I need to hate you and call you everything but white and then maybe that too because that's a cuss word now these days. You understand? That's not, you know what that is? It's a lack of peace. Because there's a lack of confidence because I'm not controlling. And God's going, hey, I control this. I control this. You need to get up and speak the words of God and let go of the things you can't control. You know what you do so often? You hold on to things you can't, you, that you can't control, and the very thing that you could have influence over, it passes you right by. Yeah. Look at Colossians chapter number 3. Colossians chapter 3. We'll close here in just a moment. Look at verse 15. Now, if I told you, let this person come to your house, you know what that would mean? That would mean you have a choice, right? Let the kid get some more candy. Let the kid do one last cannonball into the pool. Let the, whatever you're, that means someone involved there has a choice. Look at verse 15 of Colossians 3. Let the peace of God, what's the next word? You know what the Bible teaches us, according to prophecy? There's going to be a thousand-year reign on the earth of Jesus Christ. You know what he's going to be doing? Ruling. But you know what he says to you? That's, that's the kingdom of heaven. You know what he says to you right now? The kingdom of God is within you. And you know what he wants you to do? He wants you to learn to, to, to submit to his rulership now from within your heart. The world won't experience peace like this until here, but you can experience this right now. If you would just allow the peace of, in other words, let God rule in your heart. And, and, and that's, that's a matter of, listen to me, that's a matter of choice. When he says, live in peace, when he says, let the peace of God rule in your heart, that's a matter of you choosing to allow that or you rejecting that. Listen, if you're here without Jesus Christ, you've never been born again, you either accept the free gift of eternal life or you reject it. That's it. And guess what? You are not in a church where we're going to force you to do anything because God is a God of free will. And it's not a matter of a loving God sending people to hell and what a mean God he is. It's a matter of a loving God that loved you enough to send his son to die in your place to pay for your sins. And if you reject him, that's on you, not him. He did everything to make it right. But you have to choose that. And thus it is as a child of God. If you're saved, you choose whether the peace of God rules in your heart. Or you choose strife and division and envy. I've got... A last thought for you as we close. We read Mark 4. What I didn't read to you is Mark 5. You know what happens in Mark 5? They get off the boat on the other side. You know what's waiting for them there? A man that's full of deep devils and demons. And he's naked and he cuts himself and he's self-abusive and he lives in the tombs and he weeps all the time. The psychologists today might call manic depressive and a number of other uh, conditions to that man. 
The Bible enlightens us and tells us there's more than that going on. There's a spiritual issue. And the Bible says that when Jesus confronts that man, long story short, that man is healed of all that had plagued him and all that had afflicted him for all those years. The Bible says they couldn't tame him with change. They couldn't tame him with education or with psychology or with philosophy. They tried all these different things and nothing worked for that man until he met Jesus Christ. Do you know what was waiting on the other side? Someone that needed the disciples' help. Do you know why it's so important you get a hold of peace in your life? Because you will not help anybody else reach the peace that they need if you don't have it. You know what they tell you when you're on an airplane? You put that oxygen mask on. If you've got a minor or a child next to you, you make sure that your oxygen mask is fastened first, and then you do theirs. Why? Because if you're struggling and you're squirming and you're hyperventilating, trying to put their mask on, chances are you're going to faint, and they're not going to get the oxygen anyways. And both of you are gone. So they say, hey, you know what you need to do first? Put yours on, fasten it. Christian, I'm going to say this tonight. If you don't have peace like you ought to have, get a hold of that tonight. Examine yourself. Is it because you're trying to control things? Is it because you're not submitted to the Spirit of God? Is it because of a lack of the Word of God to address the storms in your life? Is it because of false expectation that peace comes to circumstance? Is it a lack of desire to leave the crowd? I don't know what it is in your life, but there may be something that you can glean from Mark chapter 4 where you say, that's where, that's my path to peace. That's how I can get peace in my storm. Lord, help me to examine that. I'm going to ask one more time. Anybody here have any trouble? And when trouble comes knocking on your door, I want you to remember Mark chapter 4. And I want you to know that you can't have peace in the midst of your storm. Let's close our eyes. Let's all bow our heads for just a moment. We don't normally always have an altar call, but I, I just, for whatever reason, feel led the Lord to do this. If God's spoken to your heart, uh, the altar is open. And uh, we'd love for you to take advantage of the fact that if there's a lack of peace somewhere, man, that doesn't have to, you don't have to leave tonight the same way. If the Lord's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. We'll make room up here. You missing some peace in your life? There's some anxiety, some, some fear, some undue stress. Worry pulls tomorrow's clouds over today's sunshine. Worry is wasting today's time to clutter up tomorrow's opportunities with yesterday's troubles. Worry often gives a small thing a big shadow. Maybe it's because of people. Maybe you feel like you've been rejected. Maybe uh, you feel like you can't achieve what you're looking for in life. And I just, you need to find that in your relationship with God. That is what's going to give you peace. And while these pray, simple question I'll throw out. If you know without a shadow of a doubt you know for sure that if you died tonight, you'd be in heaven. You're born again, child of God. If that's you, you don't have to make a big scene. Keep your heads bowed, eyes closed. I want to allow people to have just a moment of prayer. But if you're saved and you know you're saved, would you slip up your hand and go, yep, I'm one of them. I'm a child of God. I've been born again. Amen. A lot of hands. <clears throat> I, I don't, 
I don't examine every single person, but I'll just throw it out there. If you couldn't raise your hand and you don't know, can I, can I encourage you to take the greatest step you could take tonight? And that is receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior so you can have peace. It won't come through religion. It'll come through a relationship with God. Big difference. Big difference. When you're going through your storm, you could be a little more like Jesus Christ. You could be asleep on a pillow. I read in the Old Testament a story about a man who grabs a stone. I've always wondered about that with Jacob. He grabs a stone and he makes that stone his pillow. I thought, what an awful night's rest. I'm a baby. I got one of those custom pillow things and I, I don't... I don't like going to a hotel. I like my pillow. I like my bed. I'm getting old, I guess. But I think about that stone for a pillow. You know why Jacob could do that? Because God was there. He was at peace. You know some you need? That. Even if it's a stone, you can make it a pillow. God's there. Peace. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth it, my peace I leave with you. Man, I'm thankful for the work of the Spirit of God in our lives where he just sometimes comes in and he goes, shh, peace, be still. And when you're in your storm, you know what the Holy Spirit says? Not always to the elements. Sometimes he says it to you. Peace, be still. In that still and small voice let's all stand we'll be dismissed in a word of prayer thank you for coming out tonight pray you got something out of the word of God and uh, Javen don't forget we got paperwork wherever he's at don't let him there you are you can't leave you gotta get that signed tonight brother Craig I want you to confiscate that young man and bring him here alright there you go uh so uh, be in prayer again, if you would, for the building situation, VBS, summer camp coming up. We really appreciate it. Let's be dismissed. God bless you as you go home. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here tonight.